This is your Chargers linebacker, Dan Henley, and you're tuning in with Chargers Unleashed. Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake after Dale Wolkenstein and Jason Ballier here from the LA Football Network. If this is your first time tuning into the show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Good morning, Chargers fans. I hope you all have your favorite cup of coffee, in my case, energy drink, whatever it is that you need to inject that caffeine into your veins today. Jake after Dan Wolkenstein. Jason Ballier joining us from a very, very early time zone from our Blueprint show. Very happy that he's here. It's been a minute since all three of us have gotten to jump on a live show together. And obviously, a lot has been taking place over the last couple of weeks in Chargers land that we wanted to obviously make this show about you guys. We have zero to talk about today. Honest to God. This, the, you guys are running the show. The subject matter is yours. So feel free to chime in with any questions you got. Uh, we're going to be on here for about an hour to answer as many of them as we can. But before we jump into everything, Jason, Dan, how are you guys? Doing solid, Jason. man. Um, real? Are, are we lack of preparation? Is that what's happening? Or is it just we're answering man, questions? Man, you know, sometimes you know? It's, it's best to just kind of take these things on a whim. And when you make it about you know, everybody else's comments, especially when you get the really funny ones, you know, the, the, the show ends up being <laughs> one, one of those type of days. And for a Saturday morning and a lack of sleep for me, I could definitely use some good laughs. I think you guys added yourself. I prepped like crazy for this. I've got all kinds of visuals. I'm up all night talking about you know, this stuff. Jake's leave- coming cold turkey, just blindly. Just this is, this is going to be great. This Energy is why- drink at eight in the morning. Yeah, who does what is that? happening? <laughs> I mean, I got the workout in. Strangely enough, I was able to crawl crawl my way out of bed. But yeah, what's what's wrong with what's wrong with an energy drink in the morning to help me revive myself? You're gonna be praying to the porcelains here in about 45 minutes. You're gonna be hoping this happens. Oh, that's <laughs> already that would already be happening anyway. But thank you so much for talking about, you know. <laughs> Look, <laughs> that, porcelain. That's... Who knows what porcelain means? It can mean many things. Uh welcome to Chargers Unleashed Live. In the morning, uh, for folks who have not done this, Jake mentioned it. This is about you, for you, with you. Uh, in the comments, if you have any questions or topics or things you'd like us to discuss, put them in here, and we will gladly try to go through these as quick as possible. There's already a ton of people in the chat already. Uh, Joseph D. Martini, Charles Moss, Forgotten Lull, forgotten lull Cow? Ah, but it's Lent. Funny. Someone's drinking hot tea. Jeff Bounds. Uh, Enemy805, appreciate you guys doing this. I was dying for Chargers content. Now I got something to listen to. We are the men of the people this morning. Um, so I think the the benchmark, the playground we're going to be talking about this uh, show is going to be all things centered around NFL draft, free agency, and then Joe Hortiz, Jim Harbaugh implications of all of those things. So we'll talk about free agents currently on the team that we got to figure out if we want. Free agents out there we could possibly go after and how that impacts the NFL draft and possible scenarios. Daniel Bridges comes in. Hey, guys, I'm two minutes behind. It's okay. Didn't miss much other than Jake's. I'm not going to get there. Um, you, you brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> Fair. Fair. Uh, so, yeah. So, again, if you guys have questions or topics that I guess you discuss, please put them in the chat and we will kind of go through. So, Jake, I guess, and Jason, to kind of kick this thing off, we've got all kinds of um, 
technical difficulties here. There we go. We've got all kinds of questions and topics and things I think that people are really looking forward to chatting about, one of which is kind of just the offseason in general. Um, so to kick this one off, how do we think that Joe Hortiz changes what we've typically seen in the offseason from a bigger picture than what we saw under Tom Telesco? I have a question. Um, and I wrote it down just because I wanted to get to it later. How come you said Jake and I guess Jason? <laughs> did I say did I say I guess Jason? What's up with that? Wow. Okay. I apologize on behalf of myself and all Chargers fans who had to listen to that. I apologize for giving Jason the shade six oh seven this morning. I think I got nothing. This, is, bad, this is what happens for shows that take place at 8 a.m. Wow. Look, uh, I, I, all I, answer, I need the energy drink. I'll answer the, I'll answer the question. I think it's pretty easy, Dan. Um, even though it hasn't happened yet, I think the optimism for making trades in the draft is the immediate place your head goes as it relates to the difference between Joe Hurtiz and Tom Telesco. Uh, for him to actually bring up comp picks in his first press conference got everybody's attention. Uh, I think the way that he has learned how to build a consistent contender in Baltimore and obviously has the championships to back that up and understanding how you build it financially as well as what you can get out of it in terms of scouting, the full bore of it. He understands that. So in terms of a Chargers team that financially currently has some issues that they have to work through and has a number of different holes, save for the quarterback, you essentially need everything. You're probably not going to be able to fill it all with draft picks, but you're going to have to get some extra capital in order to fill a majority of those, which I think that he's going to be looking to do. And whether it's at five or it's later in the, in, in the draft, say the second round, I think that he's totally open to that idea. And in the long run, I think it's going to make the Chargers a better team. 100% agree, man. I think this team has had a serious lack of just taking shots, right? So less draft picks means there's less shots you can take. And when you're when you're drafting players, you're always taking a chance. It doesn't matter if that's the number one pick. It doesn't matter if that's Mr. Irrelevant. You're always taking a chance. Um, and if you limit those opportunities, you're gonna you're not going to get as many good players. You know, it's just... Um, I, what, are the, what are the stats on quarterbacks? It's like 33% chance you hit on a quarterback in the first round. Or such like that. And for some positions, it's it's worse. You know, it's it's it really just depends on how many picks you get. Um, and you know, the more more shots you take, the more of those opportunities are going to succeed. And um it's been a very limited amount of chances taken uh over the last decade. Um so I think just in in terms of getting those comp picks, which we never get, and we're always super frustrated when we see San Francisco has eight comp picks this year, and we're just like, okay, well, that's cool. Uh, imagine that. Um, and then it also, if you have those comp picks, you feel more comfortable with making maybe a move up. You know, if if there's a player you really like, you player you really want to take a chance on a, a, a Trey McKitty in the third round that you really want. Wow, low blow. They're, Too soon. <laughs> You know, uh, a Craig Mager or or somebody like that that you just really want in the third round. You know, there's that project. He has this this trait, and you know, it didn't work out for either one. That's not me saying. Look, I'm not throwing shade on anything right now. All right, I'm just saying you feel more comfortable as a fan when that 
Trey Pipkins is taken, right? And you're like, what the hell is Sioux Falls? Um, you feel more comfortable with that kind of pick in the third round when, you know, you look at San Francisco, comp, like comp picks, and they have four more comp picks in the third round. You're like, oh, whatever. You know, I'll get over it. Um, versus now you right now, what happens. You realize what happens yeah. when you have to, quote unquote, get over it is you see these teams so much deeper than yours. And that's because they have more swings of the bat, to Jason's point. Yeah, good yep. point, man. So, uh, there is already some comments in here, which I think uh, works and bodes well for what we're looking to discuss today because it's pretty on brand with what we are talking about. People are asking, why is Gerald Everett disrespected? He's clearly a tight end one, but doesn't get used much. Okay, I would put clearly. I think that's a little loose. <laughs> I like Gerald Everett. I like Gerald Everett. And we're talking free agents that the Chargers could possibly keep. And the list is very long. I put a few names up here just for the sake of conversation. But guys like Alohi Gilman, guys like Michael Davis, you got Austin Eckler, Gerald Everett, saying Bassey, Will Clapp, Kenneth Murray. The list goes on. But I think these are probably, at least in my opinion, you guys can clearly add some more if you'd like. But Alohi Gilman, Gerald Everett, saying Bassey, in my opinion. Uh, pro- maybe Jalen Hawkins, maybe, depending on the, the price of it. Low depth piece. But generally speaking, what are your thoughts on free agents that are currently on the team that the Chargers could bring back, slash should bring back? I do think Gerald Everett is disrespected to answer the question. I don't think he's clearly a tight end one. I think if he's your tight end two, you're cooking. Tight end one, middle bit of a stretch. I mean, he's a he's a solid tight end one. He's just not a a high end guy that you want uh, for your elite quarterback. I feel like, but yeah, I mean, does does Hawk? By the way, does Hawkins um, not have another year on his contract? Because he he was waived right, and we claimed him. Is this his last year of his uh, initial contract? He is, he is a free agent. That sucks. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, Gerald Everett. I feel like disrespect might be the wrong word because I feel like a lot of people appreciate what he brings to the table. Right. Um, that yak ability that, uh, that slot receiver ability that, you know, when he gets the catch for one yard and you see him turn up field, I feel like all of us know, okay, well, how many people is he just going to absolutely truck through in this play? Um, which I'm a huge fan of, but in terms of inline ability, inline tight end, like a, a, a pure tight end, um, that you can go out in pure tight end sets and run the football. Uh, he doesn't bring that to the table, and that's why you see some people say, "Well, he's not a he's not like a tight end one that you need, right? That that tight end one that you need to go draft Brock Bowers for, or like, or you need solid tight end two and tight end three to take over those inline tight end abilities." Because a lot of Gerald Everett's damage comes when he's set up like on the wing or like off the ball a little bit, or you know, kind of in that that inside receiver in the, like in the slot or the third receiver on the inside where he crosses formation and gets some yak opportunities. So what they did is they put Donald Parham as the inline tight end and Trey McKitty as well for a while until um, who they replaced him, Vanette. And he so there's kind of like this, uh, wow, it's kind of this, uh, this carousel of tight ends, right? Um, and none of them got going. And I think that's where people come from when they say this is not a tight end one is you are very much limited 
to non-tight end sets, like non-traditional tight end sets. You're looking at the, the slot, the inside, the wing, whereas they need that they need that presence on the inline tight end spot that they don't have right now. But in terms of like pure receiving ability, I think he is a tight end one as like a receiving tight end, 100%. Sure. But there's just, there's just some things he can't do, and that's okay. That's 100% okay because he's really good at what he does. If there, I will say, Jake, because you're a big Brock Bowers fan, I'll, start, I'll transition to you for some of the other free agents the Chargers have. If he was a bona fide tight end one, the Chargers and Chargers fans would not be pounding the table for Brock Bowers. Well, sure. And, and I think it's a little bit twofold. Obviously, the skill set of Everett in general, we knew what that was when the Chargers selected him. The Chargers have had a problem with blocking tight ends for a while, and that's their entire tight end group, not just with Gerald Everett. And we, I think, believe we all thought, considering what Kellen Moore did with Dalton Schultz for all those years, that we figured like, okay, hey, yeah, he, we're finally going to utilize the tight ends. We're going to get more production out of them. And unfortunately, that just wasn't the case for the entirety of the tight end group. We did not see that jump that we expected, even when you started having injuries go down. Gerald Everett, when he caught the ball, I thought this year was great because it it he got through the first tackle. He did not go down easily. He was a bulldozer out there when he was had the ball in his hands. But in general, I felt like you could have filtered the ball and the passing game through him a little bit more. Now, obviously, the blocking and situational aspects of it, that's going to change the entire dynamic of the game. So I think it's a little bit of twofold as far as how you could look at that from a 50,000 foot view in terms of your opinion on Gerald Everett. Now transition that over to your original question. Who do I believe that the chargers will be bring back out of the free agents? I think Alohi Gilman is the, is the top choice. Uh, what is it? 27 free agents that the chargers have possibly not returning this year. He would be honestly, and given the Chargers' salary cap situation, you may have to go bargain hunting, but if you are going to give a good chunk of money to someone. I believe Alohi Gilman's earned it. I think the way that he played last year with Derwin James in a subpar secondary, he was one of the bright spots of what what he did out there. Um, I think from when he was originally a six-round pick to what he's elevated to now, now again, there's still a lot of room for improvement, but obviously what he did in a contract year for himself, he was always around the football. And whether he was making interceptions or forcing fumbles, he had a swagger to how he played. And I think that he is actually a very nice compliment to Derwin James. And now if you start thinking about, okay, well, how are you going to remold the secondary? Obviously, you have to add some some corner help in that room as quickly as possible. And uh, Chris O'Leary and Mike Klinkscale, as far as what they're going to be doing in Jesse Minter's defense, I feel like you can employ a a good safety duo with them in terms of how you want to move and mold your secondary. Obviously, you still have issues depth beyond that at safety. But in terms of what Alohi showed, I definitely believe that he's worth his contract. Yeah, and I think the last part is... uh... I don't think it can be understated how much of an overhaul this Chargers secondary needs. And again, we're talking Michael Davis, who was at one point your CB1. Asante Samuel Jr., who I don't know if Chargers fans would feel comfortable with him being CB1. And if I'm being honest, I'm not sure if we're comfortable with him being CB2 at this point in a perfect world. Then you got guys like Asang Basti. I'd rather have Asante Samuel Jr. in a slot 10 out of 10 times. I think that gives him kind of instincts. I know his tackling abilities is what kind of makes the slot a little bit tough, but I think his instincts is what makes him so good in the slot. But your cornerback room is so thin right now <clears throat> to where saying Bassey is actually someone who can keep this thing somewhat afloat and make the draft that much less 
important to go out and get three, four corners. Like right now, the cornerback room for this Chargers team is literally, this is the cornerback room. Asante Samuel Jr., Jazir Taylor, Dean Leonard, and A.J. Uzadima. That's it. That's all you got for this Chargers team on the secondary. So you're going to have to do something. So those are kind of free agents the Chargers could look at that are possibly on the team. Now, as we kind of look forward, and this is where this thing kind of gets fun, is we talk about like impact here for Chargers fans in free agency. And there's a lot of ways this game can go, obviously. But the Chargers have kind of three windows here. They can either, I guess four technically, trade for a player. They can re-sign their own guys. They can go get free agents with money they don't have currently or the draft. Now, again, they're currently 50 plus million over the cap. So getting a free agent is going to take a bit in order for them to get there. But there's a way that they can do it. So I guess to open this up to Chargers fans in the comments, let us know. Who are some free agents, big or small, that we think would fit this team's identity under Jim Harbaugh, Jesse Minter, Greg Roman, and Joe Hortiz. Uh, Jake, I will start with you. Free agents you'd like to see the Chargers target. Should we let him keep going? Or yeah. should we tell him he's on mute? <laughs> Thank you, Jen. See, again, Saturday morning shows. This is what it does to me. I was going to say, I like everything I see here. I think Josh Uche definitely is someone that has to be mentioned. Now, we don't know what his price tag is going to be. It might end up being out of the Chargers range for that. But the familiarity with Michigan, you know, since we love linking this hive mind of everybody that's connected to Baltimore or Michigan or to Jim Harbaugh or whatever, I think you have to look at it from that standpoint. And especially if the Chargers end up moving off of one or both of Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa, you're going to need someone that you need to pair with Tui Tulipolotu to book in at edge. So I would definitely add him in there as well. I think Gus Edwards and Antonio Gibson, possibly two of the top options because this running back room is, obviously it's it, it needs a lot of work, but in terms of what you're going to have to invest in your priority as far as when you want to do that in the draft, you're not going to put a high draft stock on this year's running back class as far as when you're going to prioritize it. You have other needs that you need to do so beforehand. And in terms of the running back free agent market, as I've mentioned several times, if we thought that the market in terms of contractually for them was bad last year, it's set up to be probably even worse this year in terms of the numbers that they're going to get. But Gus Edwards, obviously some familiarity with some coaches in Baltimore. You bring that in, you pair that with a later round running back. That's your band-aid essentially for this year and how you need to subplan and how you need to get the running back room to work. Um, and again, regardless whether it's a third or fourth round, whatever it is that you choose to prioritize the running back spot, I think this would be the best way to go about it. You sign a free agent, you draft a running back. That's kind of how you get through the 2024 season uh, at that position. And then you try to build on it from there. But I like these options and it'll be interesting to see how much the Chargers are actually going to be able to spend. I do need to bring in like an alarm sound for any time we get a donation because those get bumped up right to the top and we interrupt all the things we talk about to get to those questions or topics. Forgotten lol cow, $5 donation. Thank you so much. So we interrupt this program for this question. Jason, I'll give it to you. In the ideal scenario to trade down at five, accumulate as much draft capital as possible and let the regime sculpt the team to fit Harbaugh's vision. 
Is the ideal scenario to you trade down? I think the ideal scenario is to get good players. But um, if you think there are enough guys from like the 10 to 15 range where you're like, man, I'm really comfortable sitting at 12, which I personally, if you ask me, there are guys I would take at 10 to 15 that I'm more than comfortable with, right? Sure, you sacrifice getting the Brock Bowers, the Malik Neighbors. I don't even know if they're going to go that direction anyway. Um, you know, you don't think, you dare uh, say offensive tackle. Don't you dare say offensive tackle at five. <laughs> I, I, listen, <laughs> I don't know. I, at this point, anything's on the table. Though they've talked about O line so much, every single time they're asked a question, I feel like they're referencing the tre- the trenches. Yeah. Um, is that concerning? Considering there's not a right tackle, like a pure right tackle, I would take it five. Yeah, a little bit because you're talking about moving Joe Alter. That's beside the question. But um, sure, you're not getting one of those elite guys, but you you look at that 10 to 15 range, man. You're still going to have that potential. You're talking, there's like five corners in this class I would take at 10 to 15. Uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Nate Wiggins, Terion Arnold, Quinion Mitchell. Uh, it's just, the list goes on too. There's, there's so many good corners in this class. Um, in a class that a lot of people were talking about three months ago as a weakness. And now everybody's talking about, oh, could, could these five corners, like you talk Cooper DeGene is in that group too. Like, could they all go like top 15, all of them? You're just like, what is happening? Um, yeah, I mean, trading down, I think if you're looking to trade down, this is the draft to do it because I, I've referenced this, referenced this multiple times. There is any position on the roster, not quarterback. And if you want to talk back up quarterback, you can include that too. They need it. Right, any any position you list other than kick returner, they need it and kicker. So and, and kicker, um, and, and honestly, they could probably survive at punter as well. Um, other than special teams, all right, get that out of there. Um, they they need it no matter what. You know, even if they keep Alohi Gilman, they still need safety. You, it's twenty twenty four. You need a third safety. Sometimes you need a fourth. Um, you, it's either you roll into the season with four good corners, four starting caliber corners or three starting caliber safeties. You have to have one of those. You can't go into a season with only, you know, your three starting corners and your two starting safeties. That's asking for trouble. So and for you re- almost need it. And for reference, the safeties that are currently on this roster for 2024. Well, um, well, James, <laughs> Derwin James. And a guy who has basically not played, and you have no clue in JT Woods. That's it. They they played JT Woods at corner for the end of his rookie season. I don't know if people remember that. They gave up on him at safety and moved him to corner. They're they're like, all right, well, let's see if this works. And then they just moved him back to safety for 2023. And I guess we all just dumbly assumed it was going to work out. Man, I... Yeah, they need everything. So you talk about trading down... And getting more picks, it's it's very viable. And it's like, you could argue that has more value than taking Malik Neighbors or Brock Bowers at five. Um, because then it opens up a lot of players for you. Because you, you can't take, you know, I've seen it, but you you have questions if you take Terry on Arnold at five, right? There, there's going to be questions there. Would I mind personally? No, but I could just see the uproar. I could I could just see it. And knowing that you could probably get one of those corners at 10 to 15 or, you know, one of those edge rushers at 10 to 15, I've seen Latu fall a lot. Um, there is an argument to be had that that's the better way to build. Yeah. Jake, uh, Mauricio Demetis, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, if not, I apologize. Brother, how can you draft Bowers if you're trained down in the first place? 
So first of all, you could trade down. Mauricio, I like your your thought process on Bauer's value because I I understand that this is what you're saying here. But depending on how far back the Chargers draft or trade down, say if you trade down to eight, there's still a possibility that Brock Bauer's going (laughs) to if you were to do something like that. So it all depends on how far you trade back. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Bowers could still be available. Now, hey, I'm like you, where if Bowers is there at five, it makes sense for a pick to me just because he's the exception to the rule in terms of tight end value to me personally. I don't look at this and Kyle Pitts in the same argument because I don't believe that Kyle Pitts has been utilized to his fullest extent in in Atlanta. Uh, But that's just me. And everybody has different views as far as how they view this tight end class and this value. And I totally understand that because, Hey, look, at the end of the day, the chargers are in a great position to do a whole lot of things. (laughs) And any one of those scenarios can help their team out. Yeah. Okay. So getting back to free agents, you talked about Uche. We've talked about Gus Edwards. That was a big guy. You like Jake, Uh, Jason, Kendrick Mm -hmm. Bourne, Taylor Hall. So, would you believe me if I said Tyler Hall actually had an elite coverage grade in 2022? Um, somebody <laughs> who's seen, well, listen, it's a, it's a different regime over there. It's a different team over there. It's a new era. It's a, it's, it's a new year. Um, he has a clean slate. All right. Um, 86.3 coverage grade in 2022 and he has limited snaps as well. So, you know, you're talking about you're not going to have a lot of money to spend this offseason. So you're really going to have to dig to find guys. And I think Tyler Hall is somebody that might be a little more coveted by teams that need corner really bad. Um, that's a player for me where I liked him out of Wyoming. And I liked what he showed on the Raiders as well. And so you can't afford to go get the big names, but you need a corner badly. And it's not like you can go into this draft and draft three corners, right? Because then you're ignoring a whole lot of other things. Now, if there's three corners you really like and you, you know, pick them all, that's fine by me. But um, like I said, go get good players. And so unless you want to go in and draft three corners because they need three corners, uh, you're going to have to find some in free agency. And Tyler Hall is a guy I really, really like in terms of a another off man or um, – potential zone coverage corner on the other side of Asante Samuel Jr. or give flexibility to Asante Samuel Jr. to go in the slot or to Tyler Hall to go in the slot. I don't care, man. Go get good corners. Make it work that way. Just go get good corners. That's all I need. Should we tell him he's on mute now, Jason? Ah, (laughs) joke's on me. (laughs) Joke's on me. Kendrick Bourne is the other name that a lot of people haven't really heard much in Chargers land, but is maybe a hidden gem that Mr. Jason has found for the Chargers. Yeah, so I'll kind of put him and Antonio Gibson together because to me, they're kind of like part of the same plan, right? Um, You talk about physicality on the Chargers. They want physicality. They want more physical players. They want to be able to dominate the trenches. They want to be able to dominate um, uh, at the line of scrimmage and get the tough yardage that way. So Kendrick Bourne and... um, Antonio Gibson provide a lot of yak for a team that has suffered with it. Now it, it comes with its downside of, you know, that's Quentin Johnston's game again, just go get good players. And I think that this receiver core really needs, um, if you're losing Mike Williams or Keenan Allen, which maybe isn't as a done deal as, as we think it is. I don't know. Um, 
you, you're going to need another sure thing there because right now you have one sure thing and that's, that's Keenan Allen. I love Josh Palmer. Um, he hasn't played that full wide receiver two, wide receiver three season yet to where, you know, we can really say like, Hey, Hey, he's a sure thing at this position. Um, so I think a really cheap veteran late, um, and he's coming off an ACL tear and he showed a lot of potential before that. I think at the end of the day, New England actually probably brings him back. Still 28 years old. I think Kendrick Bourne is a player that showcases that physicality, that subtle ability to get open deep. Um, the yak at the intermediate. Uh, I think he's just a very solid player that they can afford to bring in and that they almost need to because you look at the depth chart right now. And if you're rolling into the season with Kendrick Bourne as a wide receiver three, you're sitting a lot prettier than, you know, rolling into the season with an unproven player at wide receiver three. I've gotten, I was given a good piece of advice a while back by a buddy of mine that works in the industry that said, if you draft a player or you pick up a player to address a need and that player doesn't perform, it's simply put the need wasn't addressed. And that sounds like a very simple thing. But what a lot of teams do is they go into the next say, season saying, hey, but that player we acquired in 2023 might make the step in 2024, you know, but the need was never addressed. And so you go into 2024 with that mindset. And again, you don't address in 2023. You just have the same outcome in 2023 where that need wasn't addressed. And then it's not addressed for two years, three years, four years, because you're looking at this guy. He has a four year contract and you're waiting and waiting and waiting for it to be addressed. And so your team has a weak spot for four years. Yak is still a need. You know, yards after the catch is still a need. So Kendrick Bourne and Antonio Gibson both offer that, especially with Austin Eckler going most likely. I think I think both of those guys just add physicality and yards after the catch, a really dynamic pair to set up this passing game and the running game, gadget game, whatever you need going at the line of scrimmage there to make a difference for the Chargers. Guys, remember to get your questions in. You are helping drive the show this morning. Uh, before we continue, uh, obviously, you always need to pay the bills. want to tell you guys about the easiest way to get into all sports action. It's Underdog Fantasy and their Pick'em game. Just pick higher or lower on your favorite or least favorite player stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use websites and mobile apps. Just pick between two and five players to fill out your Pick'em entry. Get every pick right and take home some cold, hard cash. Just make sure to use the promo code UNLEASHED and get your First deposited doubled up to 500 by Underdog. Go to Underdog Fantasy today and let them know that Chargers Unleashed sent you. Okay, so now we get to talk all things NFL draft. This is the fun part. We had a lot of people talking Saquon. Real quick, Saquon, yay or nay? Let's say Saquon. Uh, let's say Saquon uh, at eight million a year. Eight million a year. Um. Man, I don't know. I I think there's some things to sort out there, man. Uh, what's his What's his projected? Let's Let's take a look at his projected. His projected is 10. ten. Yeah, his projected is nine point nine. It's ten. So that's what I'm saying. I, I went for like bargain. I went for the running back dip. You name it. Still, it's Saquon. So eight million. Jake, what do you say? Jake's thinking. What do you say? <laughs> You'd essentially be paying what about three point five more than you were Austin Eckler on an annual basis. Okay. 
it might be worth a shot. I'm not entirely 100% comfortable with it. I mean, again, it's more financials than is this one year? Are we talking one year, eight that's million? The, that's the other thing. What are we let's looking go, at here? Let's go two year. Let's go three year contract and get out after two. <laughs> so I, I, I might three take, years, I, I might take that. I might take that. But if you do that, good luck to the rest of your spending. <laughs> good luck to the rest of your spending. Jason? I'll play devil. I'll play devil's advocate because I know it's from a a point of view like that, having a running back of Saquon's abilities back there will definitely help stuff. Obviously you need to have some things in line with your tight ends and your offensive line to block in the first place. Otherwise it's completely moot. But at the same time, if you spend on that, good luck to your spending elsewhere. So Jason, yeah or nay? Dude, I would be lying if I, if I just outright said like, I don't want Saquon Barkley on my team. Same. Even though like I get, like I 100% get the the running back cutoff age, right? And I'm looking at I'm looking at his PFF right now. That's why I'm looking this way. Um not a badly graded year. Uh had 31 missed tackles forced, which is like not far behind the rate of prior years. Uh yards after contact was pretty consistent with prior years. It looks like he just wasn't presented with the same opportunities of, as prior years. I'm sure there's some issues here, like somewhere else in terms of like another advanced metric or something where he's really taken a step back. Um, but man, I mm. with Greg Roman, it, it's saying. Greg Roman. That's, it's that's the part thing. that gets me is thing. you talk about, Greg Roman with Saquon Barkley. And I just like, that's, that's how do I, how do you not like, you'd be lying if you said that wasn't at least in the back of your mind, at least a little enticing, right? Yeah. But oh man, like it's, it's such a day and age where it's like, if you need the running back position addressed, you do it through the draft and like get like a cheaper veteran, not a $8 million a year veteran that, and, it's tough because this is a new regime too. If this was Tom Telesco, I would say there's no way that they do this. Mm-hmm. But with Joe Ortiz, I feel like there's a shot. Um, they but even they, they weren't a big with- running back, you know, free agent signing regime either. So Mark Ingram. Yes, but what was the contract details on that in terms of price tag? Let's see. I can't recall. If, if you're just asking me a generalities, financials aside, Derek think, Henry, Saquon Barkley, or Josh Jacobs, I put it at a less than 10% no you get any one of those. No Three way. years, 15 millions. 15 millions? Three years, 15, Three million 15 millions with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, so that's 5 million a year. So if you like translate that to today, it's it's about that 8 million range, you know. Yeah, it's, but they were not 50 million over the cap. Also true. <laughs> like, come on, guys. Okay, so if, I think in a perfect world, it'd be great. I think if they if they spent eight million on a running back, and I know they can kind of flub the numbers a bit to kind of make it work out. I'm sure they could. Eight million on a running back with a roster that has this many holes just no. seems irresponsible. I know yes. the talent is there. I know the talent is there, and they could probably do it where it's a cap hit of like I don't know three four million this year. They, they again they could flub the numbers. But you're going to pony up eventually. So, uh, 
you could also argue that the reason that they sh- would want that workhorse running back is because of all the holes on the roster. I know they want a workhorse running back. Time of possession is invaluable when you have that many holes on a on a defense, for example. I agree. But do you Greg, gotta, Greg Roman, spend eight million. You don't got to spend eight million to get a workhorse running back, is what no, I'm saying. You don't. And there is a Baltimore Ravens running back, Gus Edwards, that is going to cost about you know three and a half. Yes. Um, that you can go get in Gus Edwards. Uh, Jake mentioned earlier Gus Edwards. Um, and you know that might be the way to go. And then if you want your lateral ability, you do it through the draft. You know, there's. I actually don't mind this draft when it comes to like round three onwards uh, right. in terms of the yeah. running back position. Just because there's no Jameer Gibbs or Bijan Robinson, why, why didn't Donovan Edwards declare? My God, I just, I'm so upset. Um, but yeah, just because there's no top end guy doesn't mean that there's not guys later, and there are guys later. Um, the Notre Dame running back, Audric Estimate. Audric Estimate. Estimate. Yeah, I'm. You know, if you want your downhill running back, that's, that's a guy right that's there. The guy, like, man, you got to watch. Yep. Yeah, get out of his so, way when he's running the ball. Yeah, so that's kind of uh, the kind of transition now is all things draft. And a lot of people have talked about a few things related to the center position. One, who's our center? Jake and I, we just discussed this on the last episode of the offensive line breakdown where currently there is no center. Ball's just so, sitting there. Ball's just still sitting there. Possibility of powers johnson you got guys behind him got zach frazier like there's a bunch of options there jake started shaking his head no about johnson oh but not, not necessarily shaking my head about johnson but like jason jason was taking his oh head jason about too yeah. he's <laughs> jason was definitely okay he's but, there. but hold on you have the option of trade down so say they trade back to like 20 or something johnson's there i know that comes with its own thing but he's there but then you add on top of that the Nick Hardwick as the assistant offensive line coach, kind of helping groom the next presumably rookie center that comes in unless they go free agency, which they could. But realistically, what is the floor for the, or I guess, ceiling for the highest round, one being low, seven being high, highest round, that this Chargers team can go without drafting a center? Uh, I'd put it at round three, Dan. Again, I'm bullish on this. I, I would say you don't go any lower than round three. So no, I, you have to get a center by the end of round three. By the end of day two, there has to be a center on this roster for you. Jason, no question. Jason, what do you it. say? What's the number? And then I'll, Jake, I'll give you the, the Florida. Right now, free agency, not included in this conversation right now i'm close i'd say five i'd say five round five okay go ahead jake why three i'm just i'm really bullish on this center class obviously jpj stock has just risen like a rocket over the last several weeks especially just coupled what he did at the senior bowl i am still a a believer that if Frazier had not gotten hurt that these two would be battling it out for center one just I love the way that he moves off the ball shows high football IQ gets down to the second level fast is able to just get people out of the way he's definitely a people mover somebody that you'd want to anchor that center position beyond that Cedric Van Prandan we talked about it just I mean you want just a good sample size of a guy who can move and can get out on a block for you I mean just look no further than the orange bowl from 
from this past season. I mean, just absolutely trucking secondary players as he gets to the second level. Um, you know, you, you can go further down since we're talking about the hive mind situation, Drake Nugent from, from Michigan, obviously only played a small sample size under Jim Harbaugh in that circumstance, but he's another guy that I really like what I've seen from him on tape, just in terms of diagnosing stunts and in, in terms of taking out pressure that comes to him. So I really like this center class. And I think especially the way that we have seen some of these grades on the offensive line class in general this year is just ridiculous. Again, we talked about it in the last show, I think the line's at eight or nine whether it's tackle, guard, or center for offensive linemen that could be taken in the first round, you're probably going to see that run on them again in the next two rounds just to kind of get whoever is left in that circumstance because it's so top-heavy and guys that are going to be gone. So that's why I think they probably have to put a emphasis on that. And again, Dan, if we're talking about you know all positions that obviously need to be prioritized, you literally have one where there is nobody there. <laughs> There's nobody there. Like you want to say quarters, like, okay, you have other quarters on the roster. Obviously not ones that are going to fill the CB1 need, but there is literally no center there right now. The ball is just sitting on the ground. Like I said yesterday, it's it's similar to Arnold Schwarzenegger's teeth. There's just a big gap right in the middle. So you have to address that position early. And I think you with, with the center class that you have this year, I think you can find a solid one. Uh, question in the chat. Uh, who are the centers available this year in free agency? Uh, there Andre are names James. like Jason Kelsey, Cody Whitaker, Connor Williams, Andre James, all these guys with possible market values of over $7 million. Jason Kelsey, I'm sure he's not going anywhere, but that's probably $15 million. So names, Tyler Shatley, Joe Feliciano, the guys that you probably be interested by Andre James. I think that was what, is that the name that you just said, Jason? Yeah. But again, like this, okay. That's a kind of interesting. And I know we'll get off of center here, but generally speaking, like that's probably the one position where I might be okay drafting or signing a free agent for a little coin. That's like a veteran. Like, Cause I think that center position is like a linchpin. And you saw what happened last year. Once Corey Lindsay went down and honestly, Corey Lindsay, was not having the greatest of years last year, but still that's kind of a force multiplier. So possibly I can see them going center. I mean, based on how the line looked after week three, I'd I'd say he was having a better year than we thought. (laughs) That was, he might've been holding it together with some uh, super glue there. He he, he had Elmer's glue and he was just (laughs) stay together. Everybody, please. Last thing I'll say on center, Dan, you know, you just, with Corey Lindsley's unfortunate retirement due to his health concerns. Obviously when you gave him that contract, he was the highest paid center in the league. When you gave him that, I think now when we're talking about new regime and you talk about the nucleus now that you have with the offensive line with Rashawn Slater, with just young guys that are around, around you. I know that a lot of people have said, it's like, Oh, well let's go out and get a vet again. Here's where the financials come into play. You can get out from underneath that Corey Lindsley contract now and reset your offensive line for essentially the next five years. And you could do it at a lower price tag, which gives you more spending flexibility elsewhere. Yeah, there's a question in the chat that came up. Um, Jake, I'll give this one to you. Do you see there being a roster battle or, or mixing up positions at the offensive line? I think there were folks asking about possibly McFadden and Hymas getting some possible runs, seeing what they can do. Uh, do you see maybe Sawyer getting kicked out? Are any options off the table at this point? I wouldn't say any options are off the table, but at the same time, it's like 
you haven't seen enough, A, of Jordan McFadden, who played more fullback than he played offensive tackle last year. Uh, you haven't seen enough of Brandon Hymas. We all thought that he was going to be a great rotational piece, but even when he has stepped in, he's always been considered either the third center or, in some circumstance, a third guard. So you just haven't gotten a chance to see enough of that. It's in the same argument as Isaiah Spiller. You just haven't seen enough to say, okay, let's go out and try a flare and see how this works with Justin Herbert, the way that this offensive line has performed the last couple of years. So I wouldn't necessarily say that anything's off the table, but you got to put the best five out there. And unfortunately, I don't think like guys like Brennan Hymas and Jordan McFadden at this point in time are included in that. Okay. So transitioning over to prospects. Now uh, we have some names here. I think you've got another slide here of some other names that could be fun, but opening this thing up, there and Jake, we've talked about it. I think Jason, you've talked about this too on Blueprints. If you haven't seen this, go check out Jason's uh, Blueprints podcast as well. There are so many ways that this Chargers team can go about the draft, and that's just if they stick and pick at five all the way through. Which probably, I think, the odds are that it won't happen. But they could trade down, they could trade back up, they could trade down and trade up. They could do all kinds of stuff in this draft. And there are talent, there is talent in every round to be had. Here are, we have some of the names here that I think Chargers fans probably may or may not have heard of some of them. Uh, then in the next slide, we have some maybe sleepers, if you will. I have been standing on a pedestal about Malik Neighbors since I think it was December. You've about- erected the statue, Dan. That's how. That's what you've done. Not standing yeah. on a pedestal. You have erected the statue. And I will stand on this. I will take heat. For oh, there's me. no heat. No, no, hold on. For there's no heat. No, no, here's the heat. For me, for the Chargers, I would rather have Malik Neighbors than Marvin Harrison Jr. Oh, you're going to get some heat now. <laughs> for what I want in this Chargers offense and for Justin Herbert, Malik Neighbors unlocks some of the things that this Chargers team has been desperate for far more than far more than Marvin Harrison Jr. Not to say Marvin Harrison Jr. is not a stud. Marvin Harrison Jr. is a bona fide superstar. You hear people talking about, like, oh, he's a statue builder, I think Jordan Reed said. I'm not disputing that. But I don't think he brings Justin Herbert what Malik Neighbors does. Malik Neighbors is more explosive. Malik Neighbors brings more yak ability. Malik Neighbors is faster. All three of those things the Chargers essentially do not have on the roster. And we have talked about that gaping hole for years. Malik Neighbors, in my opinion, is probably my favorite wide receiver prospect, not including Tank Dell, since Jamar Chase for Justin Herbert and the Chargers. In isolation for the Chargers, I'd rather have Malik Neighbors. There are many other teams in which I would say, yeah, Marvin Harrison Jr. is the guy. If you're looking to create that stable from day one, give him them. But when you have a talent like Justin Herbert who can throw it 70 yards and get guys open, pinpoint accuracy, and just give him easy touchdowns that he's never had, Malik Neighbors is my guy. Notice how it's like a lull of silence. Let's just process that for that a second. That was no, I, the I, longest buildup 
<laughs> saying Malik neighbors over Marvin Harrison Jr. ever. He was, there were so many caveats before we got to that point where he, where he mentioned it. Um, he's building himself. He's placing styrofoam around himself, right? Like he was getting ready. <laughs> Bubble wrap. Uh, yeah, there you go. Um, I get what you're saying. I do. Um, Um, it's, it's almost shell shocked to Jason at this no. point. <laughs> why, I, I, why am I wrong? Honestly, I, I welcome the discussion. Why am I wrong? And when we when we messaged, uh, um, I think last week about uh, kind of about this, <laughs> we didn't take it so far when you didn't prepare me for for, for that much. <laughs> um, I, I mentioned that I've talked about Malik Neighbors and watched so much Malik Neighbors because I find I. To me, Marvin Harrison Jr. was impossible like three weeks ago. And now just from all the quarterback talk and all the quarterbacks rising, I'm like, uh, what's happening? <laughs> um, that it, that there is a very, very small chance that Marvin Harrison Jr. happens. I've watched so much Malik Neighbors that it, I've, I've, made the, I've made the statement before that like I almost – prefer neighbors because just because we've talked about him so much just because it's already like in our minds of oh my god malik neighbors with justin herbert sure um you're talking about a team that probably doesn't have mike williams going into next season again that's that's not like set in stone or anything like that but you just look at the numbers and that's kind of what you're that's kind of what you're assuming right now and I think Justin Herbert is going to miss that 50-50 presence a lot because he already does miss it a lot. And you can tell when Mike Williams is not on the field and he doesn't have that dude, right, that can go up and make those, like, desperation plays, those desperation catches. And Keenan Allen does that, but in a different way. No, no, you're way. right. You're right. And that in was, I will way. say, that was the one thing, and Jake and I talked about this, that was the one piece that – kind of shifted my, ah, I don't know if it's the best fit. I was talking for Justin Herbert, but once Jim Harbaugh came in, that kind of shifted my, okay, is Malik Neighbors like the right fit for a Jim Harbaugh style offense? Right. And now you're seeing some like, oh, and like that Odunze or maybe that's what I'm saying. So that, and that's where it shifted of this is how I want the offense to be. And this is who I want the receiver to be to. Yeah. But that's, like, you know, if it was Ben Johnson, for example, as a head coach, oh, neighbors. give me Malik Neighbors, like Cook, right? But with this type of offense, we're going to be kind of like, I think in this offense that they're wanting to run in potential. What kind of, what kind of offense is it going to be, though? That's, you know what, that's what, that, Yeah, the most likely scenario is Marvin Harrison Jr. is probably the better fit for that offense than Malik Neighbors. It's also the most likely scenario is that Marvin Harrison Jr. is not going to be there. So, yes. Um, Jake, who is your guy in this draft? Are we talking about just wide receivers or just no, in no. general? In general. Who's a guy that you're like, that's my dude? Last year for me is Tank Dell. Who's your dude? You know what it was for me last year. Unfortunately, I had to watch it. Yep. Get that right individual. Yes. <laughs> we don't have to get into that. But that's why I, I understand your whole aspect in terms of your perspective. Explosive weapon. You had an opportunity to do that last year. You didn't do that. So it's still 
a, a level of concern. Now, obviously, things flip because now we know who the head coach is, what the priorities are. You, It's not necessarily as much of a guarantee that it's a good fit for the system. You know how much of a Brock how, how much of a Brock Bowers advocate I am. I will I will stand on that. But I am not, nor am I poo pooing the idea of taking a Neighbors or a Harrison above Bowers, or even shifting aspects to the defensive side of the football, or trading down, or taking Jackson Powers Johnson. I just love the fact that the Chargers have so many different ways to go. <laughs> now, am I a little bit? bummed for the fact that I've been asking for 10 years for this team to trade down and get more draft capital. And the one year that they may actually do it is when neighbors and Bowers are on the board. Yes. That's, that's almost just a slap in the face with, you know, irony on the hand. (laughs) That's going to just probably end up happening to me uh, come April. But Dan, I think this secondary class is really, really impressive. Yeah, and to what Jason was talking about, you know, the possibility of Terry on Arnold, you know, people have been talking about that at five. I don't think that it ends up happening. I still think it goes offensive heavy in the top 10 and you start seeing those defensive players come off starting at 11 and moving through the teens. Um, I've always liked what I've seen from Nate Wiggins. It's really a toss up to me now, the more that I've been watching between Terry on Arnold and Nate Wiggins, Terry on Arnold is probably going to give you more help in the run game as far as what you've seen from him. Nate Wiggins still has a little bit more to be, you know, shown from that, I think, from what I've watched, but I still really love Nate, Nate Wiggins' physicality. You move down the line a little bit more. How are people valuing Cooper DeGene? Are they valuing me as a safety? Are they valuing him as a, as a cornerback? I really like what I've seen from Ennis Rakestraw. I mean, you talk about a guy who I think would totally come in and fit the mold of what Jesse Minter wants to do for this defense. He's not the biggest, but He's a physical type of guy. He's feisty. He's sticky in coverage. And beyond that, I think that there are other guys that you could possibly take. So in this corner class, I really like what I've seen. The defensive tackle class, I don't think panned out the way that with the value that, I mean, God, Dan, I remember having talks with you about possibly back in the end of November of the Chargers going after their interior defensive line and beefing that up at that point in time. And that was also at a time when the Chargers were projected to pick like 11 or 12. So let's not, let's not get confused about that. You're talking about the uh, Jason Newton conversation. Yes. But again, this was back in when the Chargers were projected to pick at that point in time. Now, obviously things have shifted with draft prospects and values and everything like that. And it's, and it's changed dramatically. So to me, it's, to me, it's Bowers. If you can get him at five, I'm, over the moon, if you can get him on a trade back, even better. Um, I still think from a standpoint of what Justin Herbert has not had, if Dan wants to talk about explosiveness, how about a reliable pass-catching tight end that he hasn't had since since Hunter Henry in his rookie year? You haven't had that. And in terms of what you can build off that tight end room after you're not going to have Donald Parham and Stone Smart on this roster after next season, you need to build that up. So playmaker, essentially, to me, whether it's at five or anywhere else in the first round, I'm totally down for that. We've got about uh, 10 minutes or so left for this live show. So get your last minute questions, topics. We can try to go rapid fire as they come in. Uh, Jason. Why, why do I see so many comments saying that Malik Neighbors is such a bad blocker? I, I saw that pop up like two to three times while you guys were having that conversation. I, was, I don't know where you, that if, came from. If, if you want to weigh that argument to the big physical game that Marvin Harrison or Roma Dunze played, then that's fine if you want to say that argument. His game is more about explosive plays. I, I wouldn't necessarily completely <laughs> take down his his pass blocking, though. I, I, it's, yeah. well, it's, that's also funny. Like 
I I say Malik Neighbors is great, and all of a sudden, like people are, pretend that he's like a not great receiver. I'm like, dude, this guy would be wide receiver one in probably every draft in the last not five this years. This one, <laughs> yeah, the last like three years, especially not this one. Um, sorry, Pajet, go ahead, Jason. Uh, yeah, I mean. His run blocking grade is the same as Odunze, and I've seen on tape a lot of good Malik Neighbors blocks. You know, Just it's saying. not it's not like he's not a good blocker, and it's not like he's like five eight. He's six foot. You know, he's he's a you know he can block one hundred percent. So I I just wanted to, to point that out. I'm sorry for for interrupting your flow there, but I, I saw it pop up like two to three times. I'm like, hey, chill out. Malik Neighbors can block. Like that's not what's going on here. Yep. Uh, Jason, your guys, uh, Javon Bullard out of Georgia. I don't even need to hesitate on that one. He's, he's been my guy, uh, since the 2022, um, like, or the 2023 off season, um, watching Javon Bullard is like, he put up back to back, like great coverage years. Uh, he kind of like, um, had that breakout in the second half of 2022 for Georgia. And then he put up an elite coverage grade this last year. Uh, Javon Bullard is somebody who brings that versatility and brings um, brings recognition in, in terms of going and getting that third safety I'm talking about that they desperately, desperately need. Um, you need the versatility because you just need good DBs and you need them somewhere, right? You need slot corner. You need free safety. You need, uh, you need strong safety for when Derwin James goes up. You need everything right now. Uh, that entire DB room, the every spot on the field is needed right now. Uh, you talk about outside. You talk about slot. You talk about deep. You talk about intermediate. You talk about in the box for when Derwin James isn't in the box and he's intermediate. You know, you can go and get any type of DB right now. And Javon Bullard gives you somebody that if Derwin James is down, he can be up. You know, and we talked about the limitations that maybe Alohi Gilman has in terms of being like a single high free safety, right? Um, or somebody who plays like 10 yards off of his of his man and has to play instinctive football. Great instincts, by the way. Alohi Gilman's a great player. It's just, um, you know, there there are limitations in terms of athleticism. Athleticism, for sure. Um, and Javon Bullard brings you somebody who can play the slot corner, who can play deep when Derwin James needs to come down. And it would only free up Alohi Gilman as well. You know, you talk about getting three safeties. It's extremely important to have three safeties in the NFL. It's extremely important because it gives you puzzle pieces, especially with Jesse Minter, right? Where he wants Derwin James up there towards the box. And sometimes he's going to want Derwin James in the slot. You know, that it's just, it's going to happen. Get Javon Bullard and you have things opening up everywhere. A lot of recognition, a lot of coverage ability. If you want somebody who can play both a slot and play robber at the next level, you know, he has the production. He has 10 pass breakups in the last two years. And he has four interceptions to back that up. So Javon Bullard for me is that DB you go and get and you kind of play, you kind of play matchup there, you know, kind of like that Brian branch that I wanted last year. You kind of, it kind of reminds me a little bit of like a Trent McDuffie where like, he doesn't necessarily have like the like Brian branch, Trent McDuffie. There's kind of like that versatility thing where they can kind of play anywhere. And like, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter. Just draft good players. Yeah. You're seeing like Trent McDuffie now an all pro. And again, another example of like Chargers fans just like grinding their face against a wall because so many wanted Trent McDuffie and the pick was Zion Johnson instead. 
But again, going back to like the original part of this, it's like you draft good players and you figure out a way to make it work. You can't have too many good players. You, you just can't. Like that's how this thing works. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, okay, let's get to kind of rapid fire here as we close things out. There's a bunch of topics here that I think Chargers fans like us to discuss. So uh, a lot of people talking about running backs. Tyler Wilcox, do you think Bucky from Oregon is a good pick? Rapid fire, Jake. Yeah, I do. I, I think for w- the mold that you would want to have in your running back room, especially if you're going running back by committee, you think about what Baltimore has drafted in terms of their style of running backs. I think that he fits that mold very well. Now you pair that with a low-level veteran. I think you actually got something there to subplant Austin Eckler and Joshua Kelly, and you see what you could possibly have with Isaiah Spiller in that running back room. So yeah, I really like what I've seen Um in that circumstance. And I think that that would be a nice complimentary fit for a guy that you could bring in on a rookie year and build off of that moving forward. Kevin a says, I'll say this now, Jason, this is for you. Don't be shocked when the charges trade down at 12 and take Fuaga. If the charges trade run down blocker. at 12, would you take it? Great run blocker. Sure. Take it. You know, it, I, again, I have like reservations about, you know, going and taking O line when this O line is very much unproven. It didn't really get that fair shot. Last year, I have my reservations about that, but you know, you you trade down and get more picks, and you can afford to take a shot on getting a great run blocking offensive lineman. Night Owl Customs, I'll take this one. Right tackle has been the weakest point of the O line all season. Debatable. I don't necessarily know if that's true. I think it's been it's been bad at really, really, really bad spots for sure. But this is kind of a trash by committee type feel for me, where. It's not just the right tackle. It's the scheme. It's the tight ends. It's the running backs. It's all of it that has produced a terrible pass blocking, run blocking. That and might think- be like a conversation to be had, like a like a position by position breakdown along the the Chargers in terms of like the offense, offensive line, and like really get into like the meat and bones of like maybe why. You know, huh. that How would about- be a good idea. I really. Yeah, I could have sworn. I could have sworn someone did that already. Yeah, uh, for those who haven't seen it, the last episode up is talking all things offensive line and what the Chargers can do at right tackle. Did I out myself? I didn't watch it. No, no, no that was great. It's a great indirect plug. So thanks, Jason. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So between Jake, this goes to you. Between Mac, Mike Williams, Joy Bosa, traded, cut, kept. I think if we're talking about trade aspect, a cut aspect is easy. I don't believe that Mike Williams returns out of the big four for taking the, the contracts right now. I think that's the easy one to move on from. Khalil Mack probably has your best trade value as it stands right now in terms of production. I get it from a standpoint of Bosa being younger. People would want to invest in that more. But if you look at the last two years of Joey Bosa in terms of injury and production, that's not necessarily reliable in terms of what you could possibly get back for Khalil Mack, even on the older side, has had better production and maybe somebody wants to invest in that. So again, the hard part about this is, is that because both players have such a high contract number that another team is going to have to obviously renegotiate and taking that cap space on, you're draft capital that you're going to return is going to be significantly lower. So I've seen people talk about, you know, 
getting Khalil Mack for a third or a fourth. I think that that's possibly something that could be realistic. Joey Bosa, people talking about it, you know, I wouldn't take Bosa for anything less than a second. Well, I'm sorry, but you're probably not going to get a second based off of the contract and production over the next two years for Joey Bosa. So I think the person that has their highest trade value right now is Khalil Mack. And I know that that sucks because I would love to have him back on the team and see what you can continue to build out with Thule. But I think at the edge position now, you need to get someone who can bookend Thule and make that the duo of the future. Jason, for you, Joseph D. Martini asks, what edge rushers do you guys like for the Chargers? I'm assuming in the draft. In the draft? Okay. Oh, good luck. Um, man, I love Latu. I freaking love Latu. His, <laughs> like, you talk about, he's probably not going to test well. And, you know, his measurements may not be like that elite edge that you, but man, like, you talk about power in his hands and so the fast. technique and game wrecking of it. Dude, he wrecks games. Caleb Williams, the number one pick, absolutely wrecked Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley's game plan over at USC. And I'm talking like almost single-handedly destroyed that game and absolutely took over for UCLA. I love Leatu Latu. You, you can't, like, I will never be talked out of that. Where would, if, where, where would you if, feel comfortable with them drafting him? Like, where they need to go back to? I, I'd yes. say if you if you got anywhere between twelve and fifteen, depending on what his draft stock is finally going to look like by the time that we get around to April, um, I think that that would be ideal. Like Jason, I think that if you if if you were to take Latu with a pick there, if you traded back to that, I would love it. I think if you book ended Latu with Thule. Both guys have so many different, uh, like similar aspects to their game. Both guys have motors that do not quit. Right I think defense. if you were to, yes, and I think if you were to build that edge group with both of those guys bookending the defense, would be just a beautiful start. SR Powers, what position has a bigger drop off between the first and second round this year, offensive line or wide receiver? Go wide receiver. Because I think you're, you can see stud offensive line going into the second round. Uh, Jamari Thrash, Xavier Worthy, Adonai Mitchell. Like, there's some guys, man. Those are not, those are not Brian Thomas Jr. Those are not Malik Neighbors, Marvin Harrison Jr. Like, there's like there's four. Dudes, though. There are, yes, but there are four wide receivers in this draft class that are like head and shoulders above the rest, in my opinion. Adunze, Neighbors, Harrison Jr. Brian Thomas. Listen, Dan just wants them to take wide receiver in the first. He's lying to you. <laughs> no, 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 okay? no, 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 that's he, not true. Just, Jake, Jake has heard this from me. It, like, if they go receiver, it has to be in the first two rounds. I would agree. To get, to get one that's a playmaker that's going to be impacting this team this season, it has to be in the first two rounds. Because go look at draft boards. When you get to round three, you're praying. Like, at Yeah, that and you're point, talking Malik Washington, who I thought was going to be a fourth-round pick like a month ago. <laughs> Is flying up boards, you know. It is like I'm seeing him on like mock draft database. There's people taking him at like 64 now. So it's like, eh, yeah, you're you're talking. These receivers are flying up boards. Hey, Love people were too. People were putting Roman Wilson as a late first round pick after his show out at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, man. <laughs> and it can happen. Look at Jaden Reed. Jaden Reed wasn't even talked about, and I was like, hey, look at this sleeper I found. And then he was taken in the second round. I was like, well, I give up. All right. Yep. <laughs> Yep. Uh, Xavier Leggett is a monster. I agree. We talked about him uh, earlier. Love Xavier Leggett. We talked about Brendan Rice in Senior Bowl. Uh, good dude. He's all in on Caleb Williams, by the way. He vouched for him more than I've ever seen. Uh, let's see. Last call for questions, topics before we get out of here. 
Let's see. Here we go. Matt Money, Jake, this goes to you. Last year talked about going all in on offense. Rules favor offense. Why not go for it? KC wins because no one stops their offense. I would the last sentence is not why they won, but and, and yet they, they obviously had their worst output offensively and they still won the damn Super Bowl. Um so I think they I think we could collectively say that they flipped a switch when it came to playoff time. And it's just a very good luxury when you could just coast throughout the entire regular season then just say, hey, you know what? I'm in the mood to play football. Let's go. And then you end up winning the Super Bowl. I think it's a lot of things that are go into that. But in terms of all in offensively, I, I you know, defensively, I think when you think about what Jim Harbaugh now brings, and we go back to the coaching staff with this, think about the guys that he's familiar with now. Jesse Minter, Klingscale, other guys that he's had in his Michigan staff previously. And again, all have ties to Joe Hortiz with being familiar with their times at Baltimore or whatever. I would not, you have to, you have to think that at some point Jim is going to say, okay, regardless of what round it is or what position it is, we need to prioritize this because Jesse wants this guy or this guy or this guy. And collectively, they're going to have that discussion. And collectively, they're going to know which guys are theirs that they want to prioritize. So I don't necessarily think that from a standpoint, and this goes back to what Jason said at the beginning of the show, it's not about necessarily prioritizing one side of the ball or the other. It's what playmakers are you going to get at the position that's going to best fit what you want for the team. That ultimately is going to result in a, in a winning football club because something that the Chargers haven't had for a long time is coaching and player development. That can make up a huge gap when it comes to projected where you could see players being taken or prioritized. Can the new coaching staff, Jason, save, quote unquote, save Clinton Johnson? Next question. <laughs> Ooh. Jason, show low man, over under less wow. than one Michigan player drafted by the Chargers in April. I go higher. Oh, I, I've, put, I've put it. I've put <laughs> it at. I've put it at at least two that they get out of, out of the draft. I feel bad for skipping that last question. I think yes, sure. <laughs> I, I feel bad. I feel, no. I, there was some guilt there for skipping the question. <laughs> All good. Hey, you were honest. Uh, do we draft a later round quarterback this year? Get out of here. No. UDFA is probably where it's going to go. Honestly, I'm over that. Easton yeah. Stick. Easton Stick probably returns. You saw what That's... happened last time they drafted a seventh round quarterback. Yeah, he didn't make it out of training camp. There you go. Uh, if a youth becomes available, Jake, do you try and make a trade if you're the Chargers? Okay. Again, we're trying to get we're trying to get out of the red and the salary cap situation here. So, if you're getting rid of Mike Williams, you're not going to supplant that with another contract that's going to look somewhat similar to that. And Ayuk is going to get paid this year. So, I understand that it's tantalizing from a talent like Brandon Ayuk to come over and pair with Justin Herbert, but you're not going to sub subplant one bad contract, get out from underneath that, to then go out and spend it at the same position. It's like Obi-Wan Kenobi. We need to be going up, not down. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, Trey Benson or Jonathan Brooks? Brooks. Jake? Yeah. Agreed. I think I'd take Brooks, but I just don't know if I'd take one that high, which is why I kind of would say Dortmund I don't think threes. he'll go that high after the... You don't? After the injuries? Yeah, I mean, it, I, I mean his draft stock is going to be really interesting to predict just 
when he suffered the injury, how what what is the test ultimately going to be like? How health is he even going to be come training camp? It'll be it'll be interesting to see where his draft stock falls. If he if he wasn't injured, this would be a completely different conversation. Last question before we get out of here. Tyler, do you guys believe that there's a strategy to keeping some players so that other teams don't get them? Weird question, but a guy mentioned if Mike Williams was picked up by the Chiefs. You mean like, like outside the, of paying them? Like the question I think the question means the Chargers keep Mike Williams just so Kansas City doesn't take him. Yeah, but you can't operate like that. Yeah. What? <laughs> you you can't simply operate that like that. You go off of what has happened over the past two years. Does the contract serve that? Unfortunately, it doesn't. And this is the position that the old regime has put this team in now. With four restructures, you kick the can down the field that much more on four different players. And in reality, two of them only ended up panning out. And even worse reality, you may only end up bringing one of them back. So... You, you can't do that when you have this much red financially on the team. You can't operate like that. Mighty comes in here. Why does nobody want a running back? Literally the second most important position on the field. You didn't hear anyone here say they don't want a running back. So <laughs> myth me with that one. Jake, I think we found your burner account. Forgotten locale says, screw it. Kansas City is going to be winning regardless, unfortunately. <laughs> Sounds like Jake's text chain after every single Chiefs victory. I mean, look, if you weren't going to get him this year, how are you, how are you going to get him? next year when they're just going to build again through draft classes and retaining that entire coaching staff and possibly even bringing Eric B enemy back. We're the Miami to it's Buffalo. Gonna be tough. <laughs> it's going to be tough. To Buffalo. Ah, man. All right. So uh, that's going to do it for this show. We went through a ton. We went through draft prospects, free agent prospects, guys currently on, or I guess we're on the charges roster in 2023. That could be there 2024. Probably not many. Uh, tons of questions and topics from all of you guys, gals. Thank you so much for all of the input. That's why we kind of went long here because honestly, you guys asked so many questions that we couldn't say no to. So here we are. Uh, Jason, what are you cooking up with blueprints? What should folks be looking uh, for? Uh, actually, we're going to get deeper into free agency with the next priority free agents is what we're going to do on blueprints. There we go. Jake, uh, any last words for you before we head on out of here? Uh, I hope this was a good wake-up call on a Saturday. He was definitely the, the toughest person and showed more most uh, impressive in my mind is Jason coming in here on under, under his time zone for where he's waking up from. <laughs> so uh, Saturday guess, morning conversations. I Jason. I guess Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Saturday morning conversations are always nice. It's always good uh, in the live chat just in terms of what you guys are thinking about. Uh, makes the conversation and shows better each time that we hear him. Always appreciate uh, the support from all of you guys really, um, is again, just really makes the show stand out. We love doing live shows and we need to do it more often. Yes. Tyler. Tyler. I don't know why I said Tyler. Jeez. Jason. I'm striking out. What the there. hell? Out, what is going on? Yeah, you need to go no, back I'm to looking, sleep, In my, my, in my defense, I'm, I'm looking at Tyler's thing saying guys are awesome and here I am screwing up names. I'm just going to Go you may you may need a, a nap, dude. You need to go I back know. to sleep. I know. I'm sorry. I I'm guess sorry. I liked being here. The man, the man, <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend that is Jason sitting in the middle spot today, by the way. Last parting words for you before we head out of here. No. <laughs> Dan has struck out, Dan has struck out too many times with Jason this morning. Not happening. Yeah. All right. Well, Jason, I apologize, buddy. Clearly, I'm 
not drinking my coffee fast enough. Uh, for Jason, you can find him at Centauri13. For Jake Hefner, you can find him at Jake T. Hefner, myself at DNW Sports on X. Be sure to go watch Blueprints, Chargers podcast by Jason. He'll be talking all things free agency. Until then, guys, gals, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time on Chargers Unleashed.